The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Today, we'll be sharing on thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, you know, having a culture of gratitude is so, so powerful in our, in our personal lives, in our families, and obviously in our church family, having a culture of gratitude is very deliberate. It's, it's, it's so deliberate that every first weekend of every month, we pause, we stop everything we are doing practically, and just to say thank you to God. We just want to say thank you, Lord. And for us to live a life of gratitude where we will be able to consistently and genuinely say thank you, Lord, we must experience three dimensions of freedom. For us to live a life where when we lie on our bed, we are not thinking and saying, ah, who did I offend? And thinking, oh, what will tomorrow hold? Or thinking, oh, I am so stressed out. Everybody wants a pound of my flesh. For us to lie on our beds and genuinely have thank you flow from our being, we must experience three dimensions of freedom. And the first one is we must experience freedom from the pain of yesterday. We must experience freedom from the pain of yesterday. If we are to be full of gratitude to God, we have to be free from the pain of yesterday. The second dimension is we have to experience freedom from the pressure of today. For us to flow consistently and genuinely in gratitude, we have to experience freedom from the pain of yesterday, freedom from the pressure of today. And thirdly, we, we need to experience freedom from the pessimism of tomorrow. If we have to live a life of gratitude. John 8, 32 and 36, Jesus speaking in John 8, 32, he says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. If the Son of God sets you free, you are free indeed. So God is going to set you free today from the pain of yesterday. Say amen. amen. God will set you free from the pressure of today. Amen. And God will set you free from the pessimism of tomorrow. In the mighty name of Jesus. So let's, let's dive right in. Freedom from the pain of yesterday. One of the major causes of unhappiness in people's lives is that the fact that they are stuck in the past. People are stuck in what happened to them yesterday. People are full of resentment and regret. And those are the two kinds of things that give us a hard time. Resentment on one hand, regret on the other hand. Resentment is saying, 
What has people done to me over the years? I begin to get resentful. If I am stuck in the past, I, I resent the people. I resent the situation. I resent the places that the hurt has taken place. And sometimes it's regret. Regret is how I treated people. How have I treated life? How, how have I wasted opportunities? How have I not taken hold of what God has brought my way? So we, we struggle with resentment on one hand and with regret on the other hand. But Jesus will set you free from both of them in the mighty name of Jesus. What do you do with the hurt? What do you do with the pain? It is so interesting that what you do with the hurt and pain will determine whether you live free or remain bound. I pray that you will live free in the mighty name of Jesus. What, what, so the question to you and I is, what haven't you gotten over? What have you never gotten over? Is it the abuse, the physical abuse? Is it the verbal abuse? Is it, is it the sexual abuse? What haven't you gotten over? Maybe you remember the ridicule and the rejection you felt. Maybe your parents rejected you. What haven't you gotten over? Maybe your siblings used to jeer at you and mock you. What haven't you gotten over? Maybe your math teacher says to you, you can never know math. And every time you see math now, you break out in sweat. What haven't you gotten over? Maybe it's a failed marriage or a failing relationship. Even as I talk right now, what is it that makes you cringe? Who do you have a grudge against? You have to let it go. Jesus wants to set you free. You have to let it go. You have to let it go. You know, particularly when it comes to people. People will always let you down. But Jesus will never let you down. You have to let it go. I, I was sharing at the second worship experience how years ago, a couple of my friends were praying, kind of doing deliverance for this lady. And she, she had like shingles, like this big knot, like this all over her body. And you know, they were praying and praying, you know, and I got to the church at the time, and I saw them praying, you know, and I was you know, pretty excited. You know, I like those kind of prayers. Prayers that shows the power of God. I mean, I'm all for it. So I joined them, you know, praying, this thing must go today in the name of Jesus. And I felt God saying to me that she needs to forgive her father, that she needs to forgive her. So I told them, guys, wait, 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 wait. I think God is saying something, you know, and, and, you know, and I engaged her, long and short of it, I said to her, you know, you need to forgive your father, you know, and as soon as I mentioned that, I, this lady that was praying spiritual, her countenance changed, she looked literally like a demon. She says, who are you to tell me to forgive him? Who do you think you are? She said, I don't think I'm anything. She says, do you know what he has done? I said, I don't know what he has done. And she went into the stories, which, I mean, the man obviously did horrible things. But, but after she finished the story, I said to her, but, but listen, this man is probably in the village eating kokoyam, enjoying his life. You are the one bearing the pain. Why don't you forgive him? 
said, never. And she made a statement. She said, if this is how God wants to punish her. You know, sometimes you are, <laughs> you are facing your stuff and you think it's God punishing you. So she says, if this is how God wants to punish her, she's ready to die. At that point, you know, my friends, they looked at me and said, have I done? I said, I'm done. They said they want to continue praying. And they continued to pray, and I carried my Bible, and I left. I, I, don't, I don't know how to pray that kind of prayer. I'm sorry. You know, I don't know how to do it. So I, so I left the place. I, I, I don't know what happened to her. Maybe God answered the prayer. I don't know. I mean, I'm not God. God may have been merciful and healed her. I don't know. But the point is this. Why hold someone so tightly in your heart against your own destiny? Does it make sense? So God is saying to you today, let it go. Let the healing happen. Let the forgiveness happen. And as it happens, you will be free and restored in the mighty name of Jesus. God has given you a lot of grounds in your past. There's a lot of gain in your past. There are a lot of things that God has done in your life that you should be grateful for. But you see, the more you remember the pain of yesterday, it becomes difficult to be grateful for the gains of yesterday. The more you hold on to the pain of the past, you cannot see the gains of the past. So when you are there, alone with God, instead of you to be full of gratitude, you'll be full of grumbling and complaining. And God is saying to you in Isaiah 43, verse 18, Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19, He says, the Lord says, forget about what has happened before. Forget about it. Don't think about the past. Instead, instead do what? Look at the new thing I am going to do. God is said to do a new thing in your life. And he's saying, look at the new thing. Look at the new thing. Remembering the pain of the past blinds us from seeing the glory of the future. It really, really blinds us. And if you're saying like the lady, oh, pastor, you don't understand what I've been through. I can't let her go. I can't let him go. I can't do it. Yes, you cannot do it. I agree. But God can help you do it. Through God, you can forgive. Through God, you can move on. So you, you are never going to be free from your past until God is in your life. That's what I'm saying. You are never going to be free from the past until God is in your life. Until you lean on God. I say, okay, nobody knows the trouble I have seen. Nobody knows the pain of the abuse. Nobody knows the pain of the neglect and the rejection. Nobody knows. But you see, yes, nobody knows. And I, I don't claim to know. But God knows. And God is near. And God loves you. How do I know Psalm 34 verse 18 says to us, Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the broken hearted. And he saves those whose spirits have been crushed. God is close to the brokenhearted. God is near to the brokenhearted. You may feel brokenhearted, God is close to you. God is near you. That's, that's what the word of God says. And not only is he close to you, he wants to help you. 
He wants to help you get over the pain of resentment. He wants to help you get over the pain of regret. And the pain of regret is that not only have, have people hurt you, you have done horrible things too. I mean, you have done things you are not proud of. Many of us play the if, 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 if I can game. If I can, if only, if only I knew better, I would not have done this. If only I knew this, I would not have done that. If only I knew what I know today, I would not have done this. Now, no matter how much you regret it, you have done it already. And there's nothing you can do to change it. So what is done, is done. So let it go. Let it go. The more, the more important thing in your life is what you are about to do. What you have done is gone. The most important thing now is what you are about to do. But if you are not free from what you have done, you are going to repeat the same thing in another form. So you need to be free from what you have done so that you be, can begin to do what God wants you to do. So many of us try to blame or bury. That's how we do with regret. We try to blame or bury. We try to bury with so many things. With addiction, we try to bury with work, we try to bury with different types of habits. We try to bury. But after it's all said and done, it's still there. It's still there. And sometimes when we don't bury it, we try to blame. We blame our parents. Oh, if only my parents have sent me to a good school. I mean, I know someone today that says to me, Pastor, you know, I blame my life for my parents. They didn't send me to a good school. They were just chopping life and using the money to blow parties instead of sending me to a good school. And I said, okay, fine. Your parents have sent you to But here you are. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to live your life blaming? Or are you going to get up and take control of your life? What is it going to be? What is it going to be? People blame their wives. They blame their husbands. It's my wife's fault. If, if, it's, if it's, you know, somebody blames his wife for his pot belly. Is this person, you see this pot belly? It's her fault. I'm like, how? Ah, if you see what I ate yesterday, a goosey plus a foreigner plus padded yam. <laughs> Even the Bible says, lead us not into temptation. <laughs> they blame everything you they always find someone to blame. When are you going to take control of your life? When? When? You know, I mean, a friend of mine was telling me about somebody he knows, I don't know the person, that when he plays golf and he plays a bad shot, he's always blaming somebody. In fact, <laughs> the funny word is that he played a bad shot. And when he took his backswing, a plane was flying. <laughs> and he played the backswing. I was, I blame this plane. I blame this plane. <laughs> I mean, this guy blames monkeys for jumping on the trees. I kid you not. There are a lot of monkeys when we play golf. He blames, he blames birds singing. 
So since why is it that when everybody's playing, these monkeys are quiet? That when I'm about to play, they start jumping. <laughs> why do we blame? We blame because we don't want to take responsibility. We blame because we don't want to be held accountable for our lives. But you see, no matter how good you are at blaming, life does not change and become better because you have blamed it. It doesn't become better. It only becomes better when you take responsibility. So give your life to him. Give your life to God. Even if you are empty dumpty, you have sat on the wall, everything is broken. Give the broken pieces to God. Remember empty dumpty? I said in the second question, students, if you don't remember Umpty Dumpty, you went to Jekko Jekko Primary School. <laughs> the poem they are teaching you there was not Umpty Dumpty, was Abe Igi Okay, see them? Can you see them? <laughs> they know that song. Okay, so Pastor, how did you know it too? My grandmother, maybe. <laughs> so we see that God wants us to be free from the pain of yesterday. Romans 3, 23 to 24 says, All of us have sinned, yet God declares us not guilty. Who? All of us have sinned, yet God declares us as what? If, there's a condition there, we put our trust in Jesus Christ. You know you can be coming to church and your, your trust is not in Jesus. You can be religious and yet you've not put your trust in Jesus. But God says you become not guilty if you put your trust in Jesus. Job 11, Job 11 from verse 13 says to us, Job 11, 13, put your heart right, reach out to God, then face the world again. So we need to put our heart right. Says then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. So when you lie down, all your troubles will fade from your memory. All you can say is, Father, I thank you. Thank you. Genuinely and consistently. Thank you. So Jesus hung on the cross so that you and I can stop hanging ourselves on the cross. Jesus hung on the cross so that you can stop hanging yourself on the cross. Many of us will blame ourselves for everything. Stop it. So, when we embrace the finished work of the cross of Calvary, we can look back at our lives and, and genuinely say, thank you, Lord. And not flooded with pain of regret and, and resentment. We can really say, thank you, Lord. Why? Not because we are in denial, but we are grateful for what God has done. So if we are to live a life of gratitude, number one, we must experience freedom from the pain of, uh, of the past. Number two, we must experience freedom from the pressure of today. You know, we live in a very high-pressure society. Life is getting more and more complex, more and more complex, you know. Back in the day, our parents just not our parents, parents, parents just sit for yam and oil, tie wrapper, and get some fresh air. 
you know, we complicate things. We want AC, we want microwave, we want, you know, everything is just very complex. And, and, and we wish that they weren't. You talk to a little boy, you ask him about something that he shouldn't know, and he knows. And you're like, how did you know that? And he says, I googled it. So children actually are googling things. They don't ask their parents things that much these days. They google it. And guess what? With a single search, you have millions and millions of responses. That is just too much information for the child. And the child misspells. There's a case of a child that misspells genuinely on Google and he got pornographic material. Just confusion. How does it, okay, how does it deal with that? So the pressure that we feel today is real. Is real. So when you're under pressure, you need two things. You need strength and you need stability. When you're under pressure, you need strength and stability. You know, the word of God says that if you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is little. You need strength. You need a solid base. And you need capacity. And guess what? God offers both of them to you. God offers you strength. He offers you stability. Isaiah 40, 28, 29. God never grows faint or weary. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. You know, the reason a lot of us are tired and worn out is because <laughs> we were never to live our lives based on our own power. The reason we are tired and worn out is because we are living our lives based on our strength. When you live your life based on your strength, you will get tired. But when you live your life based on God's strength, you will not get tired. There's a story that was told about a man and his wife. The wife was working on the computer and came to her husband and said to her husband, this computer keeps shutting down. Every time I power it up, it keeps shutting down. I have work to do. Can you come and help me? And the man was busy. And the wife, you know, when your wife wants you to help her with the computer, you know how it is. You have to stop what you are doing. So, to have peace, that is. So the man stopped what he was doing, went to his wife, and looked at the computer, and, and, and discovered that it was not plugged. She wasn't charging the computer. And you are complaining that Zinni shuts it down. Why won't it shut down? You've run out of power. But the wife says, oh, okay, thank you. Can you hear me? Get the cable. The man got the cable, gave the cable to her. Short while, she came back again. The thing is still shutting down. It's still shutting. And the man's like, ah, did you not connect the cable? He says, I connected it. So the man came, checked, she connected it, traced it to the wall, she plugged it, but she, she didn't put it on. <laughs> You see what men go through in life. Eh? You just put it on. Just put it on. So she put it on. 
and power flowed, and the computer was working. What a miracle. <laughs> what a miracle. You know, many of us, that is how we live our lives. We just carry it, you leave it, we run the battery, because the battery is going, we keep going, we don't plug it, we don't charge it, and it keeps shutting down. Then we are complaining, it's shutting down. Then you get the cable finally, you connect to the source, you come to church, yes, you attend a live group, but you don't put it on. You can be in church, the same place, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, present. We learned last week, people were trugging on Jesus, they were with Jesus, but power did not flow to them. One woman came and said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, she touched, boom, power flowed. What's the difference? You can be in church, connected to the wall. You can even host a house fellowship in your house. If you don't put on the switch, the power will not flow. You put on the switch by opening your life to the word of God. By opening your life to the word of God. Then the power of God flows through your life. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead flows through your life. Paul says in Philippians 3.13, the Philip translation, he says, Philippians 3.13, I am ready for anything through the strength of Christ who lives in me. So we have a lot of information out there. People are so informed. A lot of things flowing on WhatsApp, on the internet, on Facebook, on Twitter. A lot of information. But you see, not many people are developed. So a lot of people are over-informed and underdeveloped. People know many things, but they aren't many things. People know so many things, but what they know has not been translated to something that is profitable in their lives. And there's one way God translates information to growth, and that is called pain. Everyone say pain. pain. You know, I was reading some books some time ago. Sam Chan was saying, pain is your friend. Ah, I said, pain is not my friend. Great <laughs> question. I heard him say, pain is your friend too. So I began to, you know, ruminate on what they're saying. You know, they're they they right. Pain is your friend. It is through the pain that God grows us. But many times, we want to avoid the pain. Many times, we want to circumvent the pain. But when you go through the necessary pain, I know some pain are unnecessary. Yes, I agree. But when you go through the necessary pain, you develop properly, spiritually. So pain is my friend. Everyone say, pain is my friend. Uh, I'm not saying you should laugh. I say, say, pain is my friend. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Matthew 11 to 28. Jesus says, 28 and 29. Are you tired, worn out, burn out on religion? Come to me and find real rest. God is the rock. 42 times in the Bible. 
42 times God was referred to as the rock, the rock of ages, the rock of our salvation, the rock of defense, the rock of offense, in different places in scripture. Why? Rock is steady, rock is solid, rock is stable, rock is not easily crushed, does not easily crumble. So when God is the rock of your life, the pressure of today does not crush you. Your anchor holds steady. You are beneath and within the rock. When we say rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. It is a place where we should stay not visit. Praise the name of the Lord. It is a place where we can find refuge. So the question is, what is the rock of your life? What is, what is the rock of your life? Is, is your career the rock of your life? What is it? Is it, is it your, your, your bank account? Your finances? Is it your investment? Your investment in, in gold, in bitcoins, your investment in real estate? Is that, is that your rock? What is your, what is your rock? What is your rock? The question you have to ask, is it your marriage that is your rock? Is it, is it your spouse? Is it your children? Is it a human being that is your rock? You see, as, as useful as all these things I've mentioned are, they are lousy rocks to depend on. Very lousy rocks. You will discover that on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Career, business, marriage, spouse, children, houses, investment. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking What is the rock of your life? Think about it. What is that thing? If everything else shakes, you go to and you hide. That hiding place, what is it? What is it? What is it? Some people find emotional hiding places in, in, in a card that was given to them when they were in secondary school. I kid you not. There are some ladies, they will never throw away the card. Why? Ah, Pastor, I can't throw away that card. Bobby gave me. When I'm feeling low and I can't sleep, I bring out the card. Ah, Bobby. <laughs> Bobby <laughs> ah, has moved on. What is your rock? Where is that place that you go? Where everything else is shaking? Where is that place that you go that you can find stability? If it is not God, it's going to crumble. If it is not God today, make it God. And you'll find safety and security. Do I get an amen? 
So for us to live a life of gratitude where we will be able to genuinely and consistently say, thank you, Lord, we must experience three dimensions of freedom. Freedom from the pain of the past. Jesus Christ must set us free, not only from freedom of the pain of the, uh, from pain of the past, he must give us freedom from the pressures of today, pain of yesterday, pressures of today. And number three, we must experience freedom from the pessimism of tomorrow. A lot of us are pessimistic. There's a lot of pessimism out there. People have lost faith in a lot of things. People don't believe in, in the government anymore, regardless of which country. The West, the people don't trust their government anymore. In the US, the UK, people are skeptical. Nigeria, everywhere. And this, they're beginning to see people for who they really are. That's, these people are just cronies. People don't trust <laughs> online privacy. You know, I was sharing about a friend of mine who runs a software company. He also runs a software company. He's doing very well, blah, blah, blah. He's a techie, techie, high tech guy. But he will never use his credit card online. He won't. He has built online solutions for other people to use, but he will not use his credit card online. When he brings his credit card out of his wallet, he's checking his bag. Why? Because he's skeptical. Somebody wants to steal my identity. When you face the future with pessimism, it chokes gratitude. When you lie on your bed and you are not optimistic about your future, you don't have hope for the future, you are not excited about the future, you are filled with pessimism and skepticism, you can't say thank you, Lord, consistently and genuinely. Jesus wants to heal that also today. Praise the name of the Lord. But you see, so people really are pessimistic and discouraged about personal issues. When, number one, when they face things that they think should change and hasn't changed. When people face situations that needs to be changed, but it refuses to change. It could be another person that you, you wish should have changed by now. Maybe you're married, you've been married for 20 years, and from day one, you just wish your husband would have changed by now. And the guy is not changing nothing. So you become pessimistic. Or you wish your wife would have changed by now. She will be putting less salt in the soup. Your soup is as salty as they want. No change. So what do you do? What do you do? Do you just retire? I say, oh, that is my lot in life. Oh, I can't even eat again. Oh, I will only eat out. I'm so pessimistic. I can't even trust this person. I can't even trust that that person. What do you do when you are trusting God, let's say, for the fruit of the womb? You are say, you've said 2017 is my year of the fruit of the womb. And someone sent you a message, one of the messages I got yesterday and was flying around yesterday, and it reads something like this. Anyone who wants to have a child in 2017, tonight is your last night. And if you do the math, they are correct. 
<laughs> Yesterday night was the, was the last night. If you missed it, you, you welcome your baby in 2018. That's what they are saying. But they are not God, are they? <laughs> oh, yes. People will still get pregnant next month and give birth in 2017. And the baby will be fine. And the mother will be fine. But you see, okay. <laughs> but you see, when, when we allow pessimism to cloud our lives, we are disillusioned about tomorrow. And when we are disillusioned, we can't be grateful. You can't lie down on that bed and really say, thank you, Lord. When you feel that there's no matter what I do, you have children that are, that are not growing up well. They are being disobedient. They are joining different gangs. And you say, no matter what I do, this child keeps getting worse. God is able to rescue that child. How do I know? I'm one of such child, and my mother never gave up. <laughs> I'm sure there was a time she felt this boy. In fact, there was a time she said she thought she, she wanted to go and give me in the village. <laughs> I would just drive, dump him in the village and drive off. But that thing, that love could not allow her to do it. <laughs> but the truth is this, you cannot just give up. What else would I do, pastor? You know, you're saying, you're saying, even on Valentine's Day, I want mini skirts, and nothing happened. I didn't even get a whistle. Or a, a, nobody, no hello, nothing. I flashed it in front of, they didn't even do as if they saw me. You see, many times you are trying in the flesh what can only be achieved in the spirit. Many times you are trying to do it in the flesh. I'm not saying there's, there's a place for, I mean, walking, don't get me wrong, but there are certain things that can only be delivered by the Spirit. Which is why I'm excited about next week, Sunday. I'm going to tell you more about it as we go on. And, and some people are even saying, but pastor, it's even scriptural. When the Bible says that hope different, make it the heart sick. You're a typical as they say, makes the heart sick. Oh, my heart is sick. And that is biblical, Pastor. You cannot talk me out of it. <laughs> yes, hope differs, make the heart sick. But there's a balm in Gilead that can heal the sick heart. There's a balm in Gilead that can heal the sick heart. You can allow God to heal it. Because it's an uphill task for a sick heart to overflow with gratitude. It's an uphill task for a, for a heart that is weary to overflow with gratitude. So when we face situations that need to be changed and it's not changing, we become pessimistic about the future. Secondly, when we don't know our purpose in life, oh yes, we become pessimistic about, about the future. God created you for a purpose. Unfortunately, a lot of people are living life, number one, without discovering a relationship with God, and two, the purpose for their existence. So when they wake up in the morning, they don't have a purpose. They're like, 
another day. Can't the night just be extended? They are not waking up excited that, oh, the day has broken finally. I have to tackle the day. And that is why God's favorite house exists. To connect people that are far from God to have a relationship with God and to help them find their purpose in God. Our vision is to be filled with the life of who? Christ Jesus. So that is having a relationship with God and released into our, our destinies. That is being deployed into your purposes in God, then taking the world for him. Taking the world for him. Taking the world for him. So if you don't know your purpose in life, life is pointless. Why bother? Why bother? If you don't know your purpose in a marriage, the marriage can seem pointless. Why bother? If you don't know the purpose in a marriage, you may think your wife is a punching bag. If you don't know the purpose of marriage, you may think your husband is an ATM machine. You know? <laughs> we think their husbands are ATM machines. Just cutting the cash. Point. Let the cash. <laughs> let, the, let the cash come out. But see, have you ever wondered what does God think of me? Maybe God doesn't like me. Does he even think about me? The truth is that God thinks about you. Does he think bad thoughts about me? Does he just remember all the bad things I've done? Let me show you what he thinks about you. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans, he says. The thoughts that I have for you. They are thoughts of good and not of evil. To give you a hope. And a good future. You need a hope for living. You need a purpose for living. You know, they say that you can live 40 days without food. Some refuse to try to find out. You can actually go 40 days without food. They say you can do three days without water. Without water. And they say you can do eight minutes without air. <laughs> Not 30 seconds like you think. You can actually go eight minutes without air. But you see, you can't go one second without hope. One second without hope. Without hope in God, hope in Christ, you can't go one second without hope. If you do, the moment you lose hope, you, you are no longer living. You are just existing. The moment you lose hope, just, and that is the challenge. A lot of people are not living. They are just existing. Just existing. Go better one day. One day, one day. Go better. Just existing. God wants you to be living and not just existing. Praise the name of the Lord. So when life happens, where is your rock? Psalm 125 verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, unmovable by any circumstance, no matter what happens. No matter what happens. You can count on this. 
that God loves you. No matter what happens, you can count on this, that God loves you. Isaiah 54 verse 10, the mountains and the hills may crumble, Isaiah 54 verse 10, but my love for you will never end. You are made to be loved by God. Stop running from God. You see, Jesus is not coming for people that are wishing that they will make heaven. Jesus is not coming for people that are hoping and wishing that they will make heaven. Jesus is coming, listen to this, for citizens of heaven here on earth. So it means that as it is in heaven, so you are on earth. The pain of the past, you allow God to heal you. The pressure of the present, you allow God to take control. The pessimism of the future, you allow Jesus to take charge. When you lie on that bed, only one thing will come out of your mouth. And that is what? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. You are made to be loved by God. Stop, love, stop running from God. Stop running from God. Talk to God about what you've heard. I want to pray with you if you're here. Like, you're like, Pastor, that is me. I want to stop running from God. Can you pray with me? Yes, yes, yes. I want to pray with you. I want to stop running from God. Pastor, pray with me. I used to be saved. But I, I, I can't say I'm aligned with God. Or I've never been born again. Can I be born again today? Yes, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Wherever you are seated, should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. God will lay his hands upon you wherever you are. Pastor, that is me. Pray with me. Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly, I will pray together. If you put up your hand, put up your hand well. God bless you. Put it up, put it up. Not just on your head. Slip it up over your head. That is me. That is me. Pray with me. Pray with me, Pastor. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. That is me. Put up the hand. God bless you. God bless you. Put my hand over there. God bless you. That is me. Keep the hands up. Not just on your head. Shoot it up. God bless you. I need to see you. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Right there in front. God bless you. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Right there in front. Keep the hands up. Once you have the card, you can put it down. That is me. Put up that hand. Stop running from God. The rest of us, let's, let's just thank him. Let's talk to him. Let's, let's honor him. Commit your life to him. Open your heart to him. Many of us need to be free from the pain of yesterday. Say to Jesus, heal me of the pain of yesterday. I open my heart to you. Many of us need freedom from the pressure of today. Why don't you tell him, take control of my life. Many of us, we need freedom from the pessimism of tomorrow. Why don't you say, Jesus, 
you are Alpha and Omega. You are in tomorrow already. I give you full control. Anybody else that like, Pastor, pray with me. I want to stop running from God. I want to come to God. I want to be embraced by His love. Put up that hand over your head. Over quickly, quickly, quickly. I will pray. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Oh, Father, we thank you. Lord, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you today. We, we ask that you... Oh, God bless you. Is there a hand over there? You can still put it up. I want to commit to God. Put up the hand. Father, we thank you for everyone that is committing to you today. Lord, we ask that you breathe upon this once, oh God. Change these lives. Reveal yourself to them. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. Lord, we pray for everyone online and everyone present in this service today. Give us freedom from the pain of the past. Give us freedom from the pressure of today. And give us freedom from the pessimism of tomorrow. That we will truly say thank you. Consistently and genuinely. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are afraid. Let's pray us together for the Lord as we thank you. Amen.